Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for that warm welcome. You, you are some of the finest friends I've ever ministered to. If anyone comes through telling you differently, they're a false prophet. You are a wonderful, wonderful group. And I'm so encouraged with your enthusiasm for God. Keep that. It thrills me to see you be so enthused about the things of God. And we appreciate President and Mrs. Hagan. Wonderful people. School, you're blessed with these wonderful leaders. All of the faculty, all the deans, I favor one especially. But all this is a wonderful school. Period. You notice that I've put mine in this school. <laughs> My son is in this school. This is a wonderful school. And we appreciate what God is doing and going to do in the lives of this wonderful place. Amen? He has great things for you. Hallelujah. We're going to preach this morning. We're going to laugh and we're going to cry. Remember this, laughter is healing. Weeping is cleansing. As long as your eyes leak, your head won't swell. <laughs> so continue, let the emotions flow through you. Before I start to preach, many of you have asked, and I'm going to tell you how old I am. You're good, you're good. 77. Went to have a facelift last year and they lifted it up and put it back down. <laughs> there wasn't a lot to work with. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, begin with the fourth verse, or seventh verse. The Apostle Paul speaking. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not in distress. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bared about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Christ might be made manifest in our bodies. I want you to hear the title of my message this morning. It's not what's happening, but it's what's really going on. Let me say that again. It's not what's happening, but it's what's really going on. Let me give an example. The prophet Elisha, who followed Elijah, the story is in Kings, and Elisha followed Elijah. And one morning, Elisha's servant opened his eyes and said, Master, look 
at the armies that surround us. That's what's happening. But then Elisha said, God, open his eyes and let him see what's really going on. Those that are for us are greater than those that are against us. Amen. Let him see what's really going on. So let me tell you this morning, it's not what's happening, but it's what's really going on. Apostle Paul said, what's happening? I'm troubled. I'm crowded with the cares of life. What's really going on? He said, but I'm not in distress. I may be crowded, but I'm not crushed. Why? I've got a treasure in this clay jar that's greater than anything that's going on on the outside of me. Amen. It's not what's happening, but it's what's really going on. You know what keeps the submarine up and going? It's because the pressure on the inside equals the pressure on the outside. You know what keeps us going? He that's within me is greater than he that's in the world. Amen. That's what keeps us going. It's not what's happening, but it's what's really going on. The apostle Paul says we're more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. You know what it means to be more to conquer? I'm going to tell you. How many's ever heard of the boxer Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay? Another big mouth from the state of Kentucky. <laughs> he says to his wife, if I win this fight, you get the purse. Now, honey, the purse is a million dollars. He's a conqueror. She's more than a conqueror. Do you realize one day at Calvary, we won. Jesus conquered. But we get the benefits of what he conquered for. Amen. So we're more than conquerors. Folks, winners always get excited. Now, I'm a Kentucky Wildcat fan. I love the Kentucky Wildcats. They won the NCAA in 2012. I was watching it. When we hit the winning basket, I beat the floor, I beat my husband, I beat the TV. <laughs> he wasn't nearly as excited. He's from Texas. <laughs> we won. There was not a fan of the University of Kentucky that went, oh, we won. How nice. Folks, winners get excited. But let me tell you something. All the energy I used over little old round pigskin did not change my life. But one day at Calvary, I won. And it changed my life for eternity. Amen. Hallelujah, God. Winners get excited. Do I have any winners in this section? Do I have any winners in this section? Do I have any winners in this section? Do I have any winners in the balcony? Have any winners on this side of the balcony? In the back, do I have any winners? Amen. Why? We're more than conquerors. That's what's happening. That's what's really going on. My husband, many years ago, 
had come from the state of Texas to the state of Kentucky to preach revivals. It was a severe winter, and all services were closed because of the weather. He's a 1,000 miles from home. This is before I ever met him. I'm sure he hadn't, didn't have a down day after I met him. <laughs> Let me tell you this off the cuff. When I first started dating him, he'd take me through the door for six, seven, eight months, stick out his hand, and he'd say, I sure enjoyed the fellowship. <laughs> One day I said to myself, Self, you can get this at church. <laughs> Eventually, we got past fellowship. We got married. <laughs> One kind pastor friend took him in, and he said, Brother Tennyson, you can stay with me until something opened up, opens up. One day, this pastor friend said, I'm going to Louisville, Kentucky, to a minister's institute. Dr. C.M. Ward is preaching the institute. Do you want to go? And my husband said, I do. He said, as they walked into the auditorium, Dr. Ward was already preaching. Listen to me. Now, here's what's happening. My husband said the enemy said to him, God is through with you. Doors are closed. He's not going to use you. That's what's happening. Dr. Ward stopped. And he said, I have a message for someone right now. Here's what's really going on. He said, there's a young man in here. I don't know who you are, but the enemy told you that the doors are closed. God is through with you. He said, listen to me, young man. God is going to lead you to lead a church through the most intense time a church has ever had. And he said these words, doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. But never believe your doubts or doubt your beliefs. <laughs> doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. But never believe your doubts or doubt your beliefs. He said, young man, look up. God is going to use you. Folks, what was happening? My husband was discouraged. What was really going on? Somebody said, look up. God is going to use you. And he did. So the apostle Paul said, I may be troubled. I may be crowded. That's what's happening. What's really going on? He said, but I'm not in distress. I'm not crushed. Because he that's within me is greater. Than he that's in the world. Amen. I may be crowded, but I'm not crushed. Let's go on. He says, I am perplexed. That simply means I'm in prison to my situation. Seems to be no way out. That's what's happening. But he goes on to say, what's really going on? I am not in despair. I am with, not without hope. Amen? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know why we become perplexed? I'm going to tell you. We begin to believe the facts and not the truth. Let me give you an example. 
I say, Pastor, or President Hagen owns a Mercedes. That's not a word of knowledge or anything, just an example. <laughs> Why do I say that? I saw him driving one. That's the facts. What I don't know is the truth. It belongs to Dr. Tennyson over here. <laughs> That's not a word of knowledge for you either. <laughs> Folks, I'm only trying to tell you a truth on a fact I saw. Now, we allow the doctors, the enemy, friends, and family to give us facts. That's what's happening. What's really going on is, God, I'm going to know the truth, and the truth shall set me free. Amen? I'm going to know the truth, and the truth will set me free. Jacob, who was the grandson of Abraham, the, the son of Isaac, had a son named Joseph that was sold, in, sold into slavery and ended up in Pharaoh's house, second in command in Egypt. Jacob had other sons, and there was a famine in the land, but they had food in Egypt. So he sent his sons to Egypt to get the food. The sons came back and said, Dad, we got good news and we got bad news. We got the food. But if we go back, we have to take Benjamin. And they kept Simeon. And Jacob makes this statement. Now, here's what's happening. He's perplexed. Here's what's happening. He said, Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. Now they want to take Benjamin from me. All these things are against me. Why? He had the facts. But he didn't know the truth. See, the facts is Joseph's not there. Simeon's not there. Benjamin has to go back. The truth is, Joseph is doing well in Pharaoh's court. And he's taking care of his brother Simeon, not to harm him, and want to see his little brother Benjamin. That's what's really going on. Amen? We may be perplexed. But folks, I want to tell you something. We may be perplexed, but we've got to say, God, I'm going to say, I'm not just going to stand on the facts or what's going on, but I'm what's happening, but I want to go past that and get a hold of the truth and let the truth set me free once and for all. Our son, the day he was born, his heart stopped four times. He had what they call hyaline membrane disease. That's where your lung completely fills up with fluid and you drowned in your own fluid. And the doctor said to my husband, here's what's happening. Your son's heart has stopped four times. If it stops again, I'm going to let him go. Because your son is not going to live. And if he does live, he has severe brain damage. The oxygen was cut off to his brain over five minutes. And he will be a vegetable if he lives. Through the day on Saturday, very critical. Sunday Afternoon, Some of the folks came up from the church where we were pastoring in West Kentucky, saw the condition of our baby, went back and said to a retired minister that was filling in for my husband, if pastor's baby doesn't have a miracle, he's not going to make it. The pastor called him to the altar and said, I'm not going to preach. I want everybody in this altar, and I don't want anybody to get up until somebody has prayed through. What did I tell you yesterday? It's praying till you touch heaven. 
Don't get up until heaven touches you. That's praying through. Are you hearing me? At nine o'clock, one of the ladies got up and said, Pastor, I've prayed through. The baby is going to live. Monday morning, the pediatrician came in with a formula in his hand, and he said, Miss Tennyson, I don't know what happened, but at 9 o'clock last evening, what's really going on? What's really going on? At 9 o'clock last evening, the nursery called and said, Dr. Stryker, the Tennyson's baby's lungs is as clear as a bell. He's wanting something to eat. What should we do with him? He said, feed him. Said your baby took eight ounces without stopping. He still hadn't stopped. Amen. (laughs) He said these words Your baby will live, but he still will be a vegetable. That's what's happening. My husband looked at me and the doctor and said these words No, sir. God doesn't do a halfway job. The God that healed our baby's lungs has healed our baby's brain. Amen. That's what's really going on. Oh, hallelujah, God. It's not what's happening, but it's what's really going on. You can see where my baby is today. Amen. Then the apostle Paul goes on to say, I may be persecuted. That means I'm pursued. There's somebody that's after me day and night. That's what's happening, the enemy of your soul. What's really going on? He said, I may be pursued, but I haven't been forsaken. That simply means I haven't been abandoned. He knows where I am. He knows why I'm where I am, and he knows what to do about where I am. Amen? I alluded yesterday to the tragedy that we faced when our church bus was hit head on by a drunken driver, resulting in the deaths of 27 of our people. On a Tuesday morning after the tragedy, I awakened very down. God, how can I comfort all these people? And remember, my son got off. How can I do this? I've got to hear from you today. If I don't hear from you today, I'm not going to make it. I went over to the church Just to be at the church, my husband had gone to the hospital to visit our young people. We had 13 young people in six different hospitals that were burned severely. And when I went over to the church, the telephone company had installed eight lines in the church to handle the calls. We received over a thousand calls a day. Aren't you happy to be part of a family of God? You don't know me, but I've been praying for you today. The ladies handled the phone calls. The board members said to our ladies, you take the messages, give them to the pastor, Sister Tennyson, at the end of the day. And if it's important, go after one of them. Tuesday morning about 10, one of the ladies came to me and said, Sister Tennyson, President Reagan's on the phone. Wants to talk to Pastor Tennyson? He's not here. Could you talk to him? I said, I guess I could. (laughs) I ran to the phone. President Reagan said, Miss Tennyson, this is President Reagan. Nancy and I are praying for you all today. You're on our hearts. Miss Tennyson, if you need money or military, 
please let me know. I'm going to give you this number that rings in the Oval Office. Don't give it to anyone. I still have it. How much is it worth to you? (laughs) If President Reagan answers, you better check where you are. (laughs) We talked a few minutes. I thanked him. He hung up. Two hours later, one of the girls came to me and said, Sister Tennyson, Vice President George H.W. Bush is on the phone, wants to talk to Pastor Tennyson. Could you talk to him? He's not here. Could you talk to him? I said, I guess I could. White House wouldn't leave me alone that day. No. <laughs> Went to the phone. Vice President Bush said, Miss Tennyson, Barbara and I are parents and grandparents. Our hearts bleed with yours today. We're praying for you. He broke down and began to sob. I don't know how about you or your political flavor, that's your business, but I appreciate anybody in that position that can feel my pain. When he was able to regain his composure, he apologized. And I said, Mr. Vice President, there's not anything you could have said that would have done me any better than what you just did. You felt my pain. We talked a few minutes. I thanked him. He hung up. Three o'clock that afternoon, one of the girls said to me, Sister Alice Jane Schaefer Blythe is on the phone. Now, Sister Blythe was my mentor. She lived to be 102, still preaching. She was the WM director, or Women's Ministries director, for the state of Tennessee for 35 years. Loved this woman. She called... They said, we know you want to talk to her. I said, I do. I ran to the phone. First words she said were these. Honey, I've been before the throne for you today. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords says, you're going to make it. Amen. Folks, I appreciated President Reagan. But he had limited power. He couldn't promise me I was going to make it. I appreciated Vice President Bush, but he had limited power. He couldn't promise me I was going to make it. But she said, I've been before the one that has all power. And he says, well, you're going to make it. Amen. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. Folks, that's what's really going on. That's the most important call I talked on that day. You can't get any better than from the top. You're going to make it. That's what's really going on. Then the Apostle Paul says, I'm cast down. That means somebody takes me and slams me to the ground. That's what's happening. Cast down. But he goes on to say, What's really going on? I've not been destroyed. The structure has not been demolished. Folks, we may get cast down, may get a window knocked out of line, but the structure's still intact. Amen? Let him straighten up the window and go your way. That's what's really going on. Maybe cast down what's happening, but not been destroyed. That's what's really going on. 
We need to get this in our heart and in our spirit today. We will allow the facts. We will allow circumstances. We will allow situations to want, want us to throw in the towel. But honey, he that's within you is greater than whatever's going on on the outside of you. Look up. God, as I told you yesterday, has a destiny for you. Amen? Hallelujah. That's greater than anything you're facing. He has a destiny. Folks, this power... Is that's within me it's not my power it's his power his power when I was in the third grade one time thank God only one time and I'm sure my teacher said that too my mother and daddy bought me a pair of Ivy League shoes now you have to be about my age to know what they are they're saddle oxfords anybody know what saddle oxfords are Anybody know what black and white shoes are? Okay. Black and white shoes. And they had a strap on the heel and a buckle. And you were really uptown if you had a pair of those shoes. Now, I've always been small for my age until now. Somebody said to me one day, you've gained weight, haven't you? I said, yes. Only weighed six pounds and ten ounces when I was born. Aren't you glad you've gained some weight? (laughs) My mother said to my elder brother, look after your little sister. You never know what she's going to do. Two girls met me in the hall one day and said, we like those shoes. We're going to take them off of you. What do you think about that? Stood there trembling in my shoes until out of the corner of my eye, I saw my elder brother headed my way with two of his buddies. I straightened up, and I said, do it if you think you're big enough. It wasn't my power I was trusting in. It was the power of an elder brother that was headed my way. Amen. The word says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the elder brother shall lift up a standard against him. It's not my power. It's the power of an elder brother. Hallelujah, God. When my elder brother got there, he laid his hand on the shoulder of one of those girls and said, what's going on here? She said, not a thing. He said, there better not be. That's my little sister. And anytime you think you're going to pick on her, I'll always be around. And they left and I went, uh-huh. <laughs> it's not what's happening but it's what's really going on. Troubled? What's happening? What's really going on, but not in distress. Perplexed? What's happening? What's really going on, but not in despair. Persecuted? What's happening? What's really going on, but not cast down or forsaken. Cast down? What's happening? What's really going on? I've not been destroyed. Folks, I want this in your spirit. Number one, my destiny is greater than my despair. Number two, it's not what's happening, but it's what's really going on. 
let God begin to open our eyes to see what's really, really going on. Do I have time for one more testimony? And then we're going to close it off. Are you sure? Okay. The associate pastor's daughter that was, did not make it off the bus burned severely had been home for a few days from the hospital, and her mother called me and said, I need you to go back to the hospital with me. Christy is smothered. She's 14 years old. Took her to the hospital, ear, nose, and throat specialist waiting on us. He came out and he said, Miss Pierman, your daughter's vocal cords are melted together. I'm going to put stents in to let them rest. Her air passage is the size of a pencil lead. should be the size of her thumb. I'm going to put a trach in so she can breathe. Your daughter is not going to be able to talk for six or seven years. And that's with much speech therapy. That's what's happening. Her mother looked at me and said, Sister Tennyson, I can't handle anymore. I've had all I can handle. And I looked at her and I said, Dottie, that's what the doctor said. Jesus didn't say that. That's what's really going on. Took her back. In three weeks, re-examined her, removed the stents from the vocal cords to let them rest. Reassured her she's not going to be able to talk. That evening, Dottie said the phone rang and somebody asked for prayer. She said, I was praying, heard a noise, ran into where Christy was laying on the couch. And she said, Christy, what did you want? She put her finger over the trach and said, hi, mom, I can talk. That's what's really going on. Hallelujah, God. That's what's really going on. Sunday morning, she got up and gave her testimony at the church. Headlines of the local newspaper the next morning said this. Hello, Papa. I can talk. She called her Papa. She called me and told me on a Saturday evening she could talk. When I hung up that phone, honey, I had a Pentecostal spell. Oh, hallelujah, God, all over that house. Monday morning. The headlines, hello, Papa, I can talk. At the end of the article, the reporter said these words, these people still believe in a God that can heal. How many still believe in a God that can heal? Hallelujah. What was happening? She wasn't going to be able to talk for six or seven years. What is go- really going on, honey, in six or seven hours? Whoa! She was talking. It's not what's happening but it's what's really going on. Folks, we're a little over time. And you that need to be dismissed, you're welcome to be dismissed.